G'day, Spirit Host, AOS Coach here, and we are coming from the underworld to talk to you about the new book. We have a new battle tome. I'm trying to grab it and I'm making a mess of it. So Nighthawk has a new book, uh, and I am absolutely blessed to be talking to the Night Queen herself, Ronya Anderson, um, who played in uh, AOS World. She was a part of Team Sweden, uh, general butt kicker from the mortal realms. I hear you are on the way to be claiming the throne of Sweden if it wasn't for Konstantinos, but I hear this time you're going to get him. This time I'm going to get him for sure. Right. But we're going to talk Nighthawk. You will, you will, you get him. He's, 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 he's slacking off, but we're talking about this new book, uh, 2022 Nighthawk. Uh, you got a new book and boy, oh boy, is Nighthawk looking good. You have absolutely, I don't know what happened, but you went from this fringe faction that was kind of like struggling a little bit, snipe the heroes, armies crumble to one of probably at the moment, one of the meta leaders. But before we get into the book and the lists and getting Ronya's thoughts around how she's looking at the game, um, how are you and welcome to the channel. And do you want to tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Hey, um, thanks. Uh, I'm doing all right or good even. Uh, just waiting for vacation to start kick off in a couple of days. Um, Oh, sorry. What was the question then? Like, uh... <laughs> just, just for people who don't know who Ronya is, um, you're you're in Sweden, right? Yeah, I'm in the northern part of Sweden. Uh, bursted onto the AOS scene like September last year, so quite new to the hobby, but have played miniature games since I was seven. So that will be 22 years now. Uh, hopped on the war machine train back in when a when games workshop nuked the old world i played warhammer fantasy before uh, but then the war machine then got really competitive and yeah ended up doing well in war machine which translates very well into aos which we have seen with multiple players have come oh, into oh, aos and just i was gonna say there. tom tom for example tom America, is a tom good Wild. example on that yeah, we have uh, Johan and Geir and a few others, like old AOS, or old War Machine players who are just doing the same thing they did in the War Machine in AOS. What what made you jump over to AOS? Uh, it was mainly how Private Press, who makes War Machine, handled the pandemic. They like stopped all the game development combined with having shipping issues to Europe, so they can't game kind of died off here also yeah, there I, was I, the community in aos is larger uh but essentially the same as in war machine so it was an, an easy switch to make yeah i heard there were some issues with mk3 but now like literally the last 24 hours mk4 has been announced so hopefully we yeah, don't lose you back I, to war machine. i'm kind of excited stay. for it no, you stay, you stay. All right, I'm going to quickly move off topic and let's talk Nighthaunt. So you got a new book. It's updated. Um, what were your thoughts? You know, do you like the new book? Is it fundamentally different? Like what's your general just high-level view of the new book? Initially, I was really skeptic because I thought it would, uh, wouldn't would fit my playstyle as well as the old book did, given there was just a single list in the old book that was playable at a high level or 
two lists, you could bring a Mega Gargant and like have some kind of chance in the high levels as well. As well, other than the the one the one I played with Black Coaches and Hex Wraith, those four quality models that had so much synergy that it actually worked. Uh, new book though, there isn't a single War Scroll that I think is weak. Or what? Well, there are two uh, War Scrolls I think is weak. But they have like their spot still, like it's the Glaywraith Stalkers and the Scriptor Mortis and oh. the Crossbowmans, who I, I'm not oh, yeah. that fond of. But all other War Scrolls have their place in the army, I think. And I was, that's an army that's I, really strong. When I got the book, I was hoping and praying that the Crossbows would get a sub-allegiance ability that would get something special, some hero combination that would make them good. And I was so disappointed because, like, I remember getting the book and I'm like, okay, the Scriptor Mortis kind of has its place, but it's a bit it's expensive. I think for the points that you get, it's very expensive for the Scriptor Mortis. But I was praying the cross booze. And we'll talk about yeah. the units that you like and the units you don't like. I know there's a whole bunch of new units as well, so I'd love your thoughts as well. And... Even like the Cruciator change roles a little bit too. It used to be that five up ward bubble. Yeah. And... That, that was a major change for the, the whole faction, especially going into this GHB, since you will have mostly Galavets. Uh, and reducing the damage people get from Bounty Hunter will be really, really important. I think that piece is should be in most lists that want to play as well, if not all of them. That's probably good context to add before we get into the list discussion. First off, this is competitive. So if you have a particular favorite model and Alinda is your favorite model, but we say that it's not very good right now, we're not saying don't run it, you do you. It's more that we're looking at this very like a tournament competitive point of view. The other caveat is that we are talking about General's Handbook 2022, Season 1. So we're talking about Galetian veterans. We're talking about uh, bonds of battle. We're talking about bounty hunters. And if you're watching this video in like six months time or in a new general's handbook, just have that mindset that things might change a little bit here and there. And, and we'll probably add some context and some flavor, but we're putting obviously the bounty hunter and, and just some of the rules that are in the current GBH. Uh, but generally, how have you found the faction? Are, are you liking the new build? Are you thinking it's, better is it worse is it fundamentally different we saw nurgle for example mm -hmm. go from a very fast army to a very slow army like what's your take between books mm, for it's for sure better uh it's a bit in general it's faster but it's slower than the list i used to play because i was used to movement 12 15 or 17 uh like insane speed which you don't really see anymore in the Night Hunt book. Uh, but you get more teleports, kinda at least. You got more mobility in your uh, like in the general models, like they move from speed six to speed eight base, which is a big change. Uh, the it doesn't make you faster, but having retreat and charge combined with all the other rules we will get into uh, is huge for the list as well. Something I. I was really missing retreat and charge in the old book, actually. So that, a that's a nice touch. It's, it's an insane rule. Like it's, it's not just good. It's like one of the best rules a model can have, I think. Especially Why? when they're as durable, durable as the Nighthaunt models. 
having a always having a four up followed by a six or a five is you can tank so much damage with them and probably one of the other big changes as well that i noticed well probably we all noticed is how in the old book you were very hero reliant and i know the number one strategy back in the day was just shoot the heroes you know and no army crumbled probably faster than night haunt when you shot off or killed the heroes because so much of your buffs and your allegiances and the wards and the regeneration and all this stuff happen uh, based around your heroes now they've kind of less hero reliant still important but not nearly as reliant on on safeguarding and protecting your heroes yeah completely agree uh I'm happy they are doing that for all death factions because they're doing it for Fek, they're doing it for Soul Blight, has their gravesites as well. Night Haunt get there just in general. So I I'm happy they like make the factions less hero reliable. Uh, I just want to clarify one thing. In like uh, edition where infantry or the last one has been monster faction, like you don't want heroes in Night Haunt. You couldn't get monsters, so it wouldn't matter. but but still, you don't really want to invest that much in heroes or leaders or whatever. And by the way, Hazel, no, we're not saying it goes in the bin. Nighthorn is great. Very, very powerful. And if you're not playing Nighthorn and you're listening to this, you definitely want to be thinking about how you defeat Nighthorn because they're definitely a, le a meta leader. And the way that you defeat Nighthaunt may be fundamentally different. Everyone's talking about Purple Sun right now and freaking out about, you know, popping more crushes with a roll of a one. But to pop a hero in Nighthaunt is very hard because there's so much bodyguarding and you don't care. You don't care nearly nope. as much as other factions. I got my banshees. They keep me safe. That's fine. Yes. <laughs> So there were a couple of new units, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to go into the, the Allegiance abilities yeah. and, and the way you're thinking about things very shortly. But there were, one thing I want to talk about is there were a bunch of new units in, in, the, in the book. Um, some of them came from the Arena of Shades. Some of them came after it. So I'd love your thoughts just around, for example, is it Ulrich the, the Drowner, the, the new boat man that's not the Endless Spell Boatman? Exactly. Uh, I like the look of him. Like his, he has a decent punch, uh, with his, yeah, rose, rowing stick or whatever it's called. Uh, like rend two base and d three damage or something like that. Uh, it's, I do prefer Kurdos over him, but he's he he brings mobility to a list. Uh, that I think is really really good to have. Like it, it's. He's useful and might be worth his point because 175 points for one character, uh, it's a bit on the pricey side, but he for sure has play. You do get the teleport from the, from the boatman, which used to be as a part of what's the what was the horseman? Um, <laughs> is it the Night of Shrouds? It used to be the teleport in the past. Now Dread that kind of changed. The Dreadblade yeah, has teleport it... himself, and then you. I've heard stories of Mark or grieving legions where you like teleport around grave sites and you bring back models it would be nice to have nowadays as well <laughs> and by the way liam in the chat 100 percent me and my benches right now are hot 
if I was running Nighthaunt right now with the amount of endless spells that are happening, to get a second chance to unbind, obviously use an unbind in your hero phase if you're unsuccessful and those endless spells end within six inches of a Mon Banshee, getting the chance to, the second chance to remove those Geminids or whatever it might be, um, very, very good right now. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, find, we'll find out pretty soon if Ronya's got them in her list. What about the Scriptum Mortis? Uh, I'm I'm not fond of him. Like, the game is usually decided on turn two or three, and his impact comes in like turn four or five, or end of the game. So I, I think he's it's an, a good ID, a, a good character ID, but he's way too slow at doing what he he is supposed to do for the list. Yeah, like initially I was thinking, you know, this could be a really good way. And like the meta has changed so much. And, you know, there was these super tanky heroes back in the day and be able to pull down, let's say, pick a mega gargan and be chipping away mortal wounds that had the potential. But just being able to roll under the turn order and all of that weird stuff, it just, yeah. it's too much variability for me um, now that I've thought about it a lot more um i love the idea i just like how do i how do i get to access to those mortal wounds earlier what about the crossbows the crossbow the cup the craven throne guard they were a new shooty unit you haven't really had a lot of shooting in in night haunt shoot no no uh like shooting and death isn't really a thing in general i think not long range and good shooting like you see in stormcast or and uh, uh, Seraphon or some other faction. It's just, and when you don't have any other shooting, like bringing in one unit, that's like, like they are pretty poor at shooting as well. Like I'm not gonna sugarcoat them. That they, they are, I think they're all awful. Like they are too expensive. Only five model, like five wounds for 115 points. That doesn't really do anything. Could bring in like a 10 man, uh, of the Shangras Horde instead, because I think the best job they will do is be a screen. And they are just five wounds, so not good enough of a screen. Yeah, like I remember looking at the profile there, they don't have a lot of like, they don't do mortal wounds, they don't have a high rend attack. They were relatively short range as well. So you know, obviously, you know, to teleport, come in close range, they're good, but the amount of damage, and look, maybe if this Horde meta kind of continues on and, like at the moment, we're in a bounty hunter meta. We haven't really actually hit this horde meta. Maybe no. they become good later. Maybe. I doubt it. If they go back to like the the initial rules where they had mortal wounds on sixes, uh, like the old frightful touch, uh, maybe. But with the current rule set, nah, they they, they won't be played. Uh, it's unfortunate, but yeah. It is what it is. You can't have everything be good, like in a book, right? No, and most of this stuff is good. So actually, let's get into the good yeah. stuff. And what I might bring up here is your allegiance abilities. And we're going to go through some of the new things, obviously, your match play battle tactics and your grand strat. Um, the new processions, I think that was really cool. You know, we got introduced to, was it the Emerald Host and Rick there was the other one? Was the two Ragnar's Condemned. Existed. We got introduced to two of those through the Broken Realm series. Crazy that Nighthaunt previously didn't have any sub-factions in the past. 
Um, ironically enough, Legion of Grief was the first sub-faction that wasn't even yours. That you have a bunch of sub-factions. You've got the Grieving Legion, Emerald Host, Scarlet Doom, and Quicksilver Dead. We're going to pause on that one because the next screen does have um, these rules, and I'll get your thoughts around it. But, Ronya, as we go through the Allegiance abilities, I'd love to hear from you as a Nighthaunt player. What do you like? What don't you like? Are these things that you build your list around? Are these things that you, you know, like how do you think about these certain rules and, you know, take advantage of them? So first off, you have the Aura of Dread. So enemy units are terrified if they're within three inches of a friendly Nighthaunt unit. And what that means is if the unit is terrified, it cannot issue or receive uh, Inspiring Presence command. Um, and that obviously has no effect to Nighthaunt. So you essentially, within three inches, shut down issuing or receiving inspiring presence. What does that mean for you? Good, bad, something you you leverage? With Nighthaunt being uh, melee armor, I think this rule is fantastic. Uh, for the army, it makes it, like, it turns it up to 11, essentially, because they are really good in melee, like, probably the best melee faction there is right now because uh, they're kind of durable while also packing a punch uh, much thanks to wave of terror uh, but also being terrified there's a few triggers uh, in the book that requires people to be terrified for example the cruel guys uh, reduce damage aura people need to be terrified for it to work so it's vital to the book that this like Elizabeth is there for it like to work yeah, it, as well as it does is this something that you'd build around like are you going to look for other bravery debuffs you know whether it might be is it the horror ghast endless spell there's a whole bunch of ways you can reduce bravery because then that obviously like extrapolates and they makes have, it even better they have removed most abilities from the old book that affected bravery or that like did damage based on bravery so no I, I wouldn't go for a negative bravery kind of build in night Hunt anymore i tried in the old book it was okay <laughs> i suppose but there's nothing you build around no yeah it'll look, it's, just it's, be it's... there as a bonus it's a great rule, uh, especially with there's a lot of like multi multi wound troops, especially as a lot of people are going into say bounty hunters right now, uh, putting in, you know, elite units that can do high damage. If you can start putting things terrified, start doing a bit of damage, all of a sudden not being able to issue or receive inspiring presence means you're going to be able to cut through them significantly just in battle shop, let alone what you do uh, through other phases in the game. Cool. All right, nothing else there from Lauren. I don't let's make sure I want to cut you off. Uh, you got the ethereal rule. So um, you mentioned, you know, you got a six up ward. So that is just fundamental, not tied to a hero anymore, which is awesome. And you also can retreat and charge. Uh, you obviously also ignore modifiers, both positive and negative. So mystic shield means nothing. Um, cover means nothing, but it also means Ren doesn't mean anything. So. How, what does ethereal mean to you and and how are you taking advantage of ethereal ethereal as i mentioned earlier probably the best rule there is with retreat and charge um it make like without it i don't think the faction would be a thing even because having f four up save on everything 
like uh, I think they have accounted for Ethereum when making the faction, obviously. Uh, otherwise, there would, there would we 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 could also benefit from three up saves and have two up heroes with all out defense and all that. So it's like, but also like it makes you ignore a part of the game that is rend. Like I've played Night Hunt since I started, so now this I tried another list this weekend uh, in Lean of the First Prince, having to care about rend. That that's a whole other game. Uh, uh, it make yeah, it's. It's it's a sheet rule, but it's a really good one, so, uh, so I like it. As an opponent, I really at the moment, in especially in the last edition in General's Handbook 2021, there was a lot of elite units running around in the game, very high armor saves, two up, three up, four ups, and obviously a lot of safe stacking that was available. So a lot of people went down the 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 mortal wound and the rend route, you know, rend two, rend three. And, you know, being a Suns player, I would always get stuck playing Nighthaunt because I just don't do enough damage because I do high damage, high rend, but I've got to get through yeah. your four-up armor save, which is always a challenge, right? But as an opponent right now, especially with the rise of Nighthaunt, I need to be thinking about volume as much as Mortal Wounds and rend. So when I build up my list, I need to find a, a source of high-quality attacks that are – I don't care about rend. Because otherwise, I'm not going to chew through that unit of 20 or even 30 chain wraths or whatever it might be. And that can be very, very tough. Um, but one thing I do want to talk to you about, because this might be an oversight to some players who are listening to this and maybe don't understand the power of retreat and charge. So talk to me, talk to me about why this is such a good rule to you and, and how do you use it and how do you look at it? Maybe if someone doesn't really understand why you'd want to retreat and then charge again. I've always been a player who plays the movement game instead of like the movement game is the most important part of any miniature games I played, in my opinion. Even if combat is like you need to be able to remove stuff as well, uh, something the old book struggled with because there was no hammers. In this book, thanks to retreat and charge and variable terror, any unit could be a hammer. In this book, hammer. It'll it allows you to get out of unfavorable combats. Um, it allows you to uh, to slingshot away from a combat onto an objective. Um, you know, it does. There's so much benefit in retreat and charge. And I think for a lot of people, when you get into combat, most people just want to fight their way out of combat, and that's that's their goal, right? But there's been plenty of times where you'd hit the charge. And then retreat, and if especially if you get a double turn or whatever it might be, you can then better position yourself into maybe off one of the screens into a juicier target, get into that backfield hero, get into that squishy wizard, get into something because you've hit the initial line, and then kind of move yourself out with your retreat and charge. It's a lot of movement. Yeah, especially from one of my favorite units, it's the Hexwraith, who does that with movement 12. So they, they get like over the unit and pro possibly charging something vital in the back line. Yeah. And as like, you know, Hazel mentioning, you know, things like the, the ethereal and cruciator combining really nicely, just being able to reduce yeah. the amount of damage. There are so much tricks in Nighthaunt um, that I absolutely love. It's not iron jaws. You just can't push them forward and like smash and bash. It's very much like a scalpel approach, but it's very forgiving. I think that's probably one thing I love about Nighthaunt. 
is that it's because of the durability, it can be very forgiving as a faction. I think in the new book, it's really, really forgiving and nearly like Iron Jaws that you can push everything forward as long as like you are aware where you put your characters that will debuff yeah. or buff uh, depending on which one it is. As Aaron's saying in the chat, you are absolutely stacked when it comes to allegiance abilities and, and little little benefits you get in this book. So um, absolutely dig it. Uh, you've got anything else you'd mention on Ethereal or should we get into Discorporate? We could go for Discorporate. Cool. What do you think? So you can use this command ability with a friendly Nighthaunt unit is picked as a target of a shooting or a combat phase. Uh, the unit must uh, that unit must receive the command. Uh, you essentially get a five up ward instead of a six up ward. So, um, so basically, yeah. What what does that mean? I just felt like it. It was nice to have some kind of defensive tech uh, for using the command abilities, since we can't benefit from like all our defense or those. We got this instead, uh, which it, it was a nice touch. I think. And this used to be like the cruel guest crusader. This was his thing to do, like give yes. five up board within twelve inches of him, uh, or hold win. But it was really unreliable before because he needed to, to damage with his range attack uh, to trigger it. So yeah, this salvation was nice uh, for for the army. And it's obviously already... too strong with everything that's sugar like the all the layers on top of this it's possibly too strong yeah and for example that those layers right so just to, just to talk about like hazel already mentioned right you've got the cruciator so you'd be able to reduce the damage by one you then add the six up ward put disincorporate on and that's now a five up ward um you've got a four up our base armor safe that can't be um reduced can't by rend so all of a sudden you've got this incredible tanky unit that um, if you double reinforce or single reinforce, you've got a lot of bodies, a lot of wounds, you just don't disappear. And then you can regenerate and there's some cool stuff you can do. So that to me is such a great, is there any particular units that you like to use them on more than others? Obviously it's game dependent. It's very game dependent. Yeah. Uh, very turn dependent as well. Which unit is the one that needs to stay there this turn or which can't falter, uh, so, so it varies a lot. Uh, yeah. It can be it can be a great defense as well if your opponent has um, maybe a battle tactic or a grand strategy that's tied onto killing your battle line, killing a particular yeah. hero, um, whatever it might be, you can go, cool, um, I'm just going to throw down, disincorporate, and maybe you burn two CP both in shooting and combat and just make them ultra tanky. People in general do underestimate how tanky stuff gets with all this, all, all these layers of defensive tech. Yeah, especially because we have we've got this unrendable armor save before this part, right? So yeah, that, um... that makes up for a lot of the like it, it takes away so much damage, especially since elite attacks is kind of favored in the meta or has been at least for for the last half or nine months that I've played. Uh, but we'll see how, how with the Sylvaneth and Skaven and all that on the on the horizon might not be a thing anymore. That it's it might be hordes, time for hordes. 
Which would be fun. Maybe. I, like, I love a good army, like a big army of Look, goblins or I, rats or whatever. Two, a couple of weeks ago, I ran 120 idiot, idiot goblin battle line. So I, I'm ready for the goblin meta. Like, yeah. Take me to goblin meta. But let's not talk about that too much because not all no. people might get upset with me. You've got Frightful Touch. So you got the unmodified hit roll is a six. It does, uh, it automatically wounds the target. So there's no wound roll. Thoughts on that one? Uh, I missed the all frightful touch. Uh, that's my thoughts on that one. Was that mortals? Uh, yeah, it was mortal on six. It, it would be totally busted for the whole army to have mortals on sixes. Uh, but the army I played was mortals on sixes, basically on every model that wasn't a character. Uh, so I, I do miss that reliable damage that you had. Like you have thirty-five attacks. Okay, I'll do at least five mortal wounds, probably, or six. Uh, but so there, there isn't as reliable damage as it used to be. But it's less spiky now, uh, and it's more, I think it's in line with the faction, this. It, and it's just a bone, like, it, the faction could do without this frightful touch rule, for sure, and be just as, doing just as well. It's just almost an unnecessary rule they have just gotten on top. Before we get to the next rule, I've got an interesting question that's come up from chat, and that is, uh, Ronya, love, love from Poland, how easy was it transitioning from War Machine to AOS, and why does the WTC um, players, why are they taking over the AOS meta? <sighs> Shots fired. I give it a chance, Tomasz. You Join me at the next Worlds. You and me in the finals. Just like in War Machine. Love it. You got Vanishing uh, phantasm Phantasms. Um, uh, I probably already butchered that. <laughs> Just, uh, at the end of the deployment, before determining control of the objectives, you can remove three friendly Night Haunt units from the battlefield and place them to the side. That's a big change, right? Because back in the old book, you were one for one. You put down one unit on uh, the battlefield, then one unit could be in the Underworlds. Now it's just three. Yeah. But I think three is usually enough. Uh, usually I uh, I used to play with like two or three units in the underworld. Uh, so, yeah. It's, it's basically the same as it, it, is, it was before. Uh, with the exception that you actually put them down and then remove them. Which in some missions isn't allowed. You can't remove like things and have a reserve, but it gets around the other ones where you can't have reserves. So it like evens it out, I guess. So when you look at vanishing phantasms, when, when you look at this, right, with the three units, do you always put down three units in reserve? Um, are there units that you like to put into reserve more than others? Like, how do you think about that particular rule? Um, I usually put at least one. Uh, but nearly never used the full three, unless like I could use it like just to drop them down the first turn to have them a unit at speed eight might get like 16 inches of movement turn one because I put them in reserve instead, and I use it mainly that way. Uh, but I tend to keep at least one unit in the underworld until turn three or if they are have a good place on turn two 
and then it's usually it's usually like a ten man of Grimgast Reaper, ten man of whatever like the base inventory is uh, in the list I play. So so. And just mm. just a just a clarity, folks. I was just quickly looking. That's a spelling mistake from me. It's nine inches, not eight inches. If you're looking at the screen here, it says you've got to set up within um, outside of nine inches. So apologies there. Don't think it's some cheeky little eight inch rule. It's nine. Uh, apologies there. But um, you're right. Like when it comes to this particular unit, obviously it's matchup dependent, right? If you come up against the yeah. uh, a heavy shooting, you can protect your hero by taking it off the board and kind of protecting it. Or if there's a critical particular unit you want to kind of protect, um, it's a great way of stealing an objective, um, depending on the battle plan, depending on what battle tactics are available to you. Um, it's a good defensive piece. And more importantly, there's, there's a psychology as well as, your, your opponent will try to deploy and screen you out. And it's always hard, to, especially if you've got like a small unit with a small footprint, um, it becomes very hard to screen an opponent out. So um, you can stretch a, an opponent and try to get them to kind of deploy in ways they wouldn't normally deploy. And then obviously like you get to take advantage of that, right? Because movement, and you've got a lot of movement tricks. Yeah. Just the extra layer of thinking that you need to screen for a unit, screen your backline for from like deep track is also so. so yeah, and good. as Jason's yeah. mentioned in the comments, like it's a, it's a free barge through enemy lines a lot of the time, right? Because you just got, boom, you're you're in the backfield. There's a, there's a battle tactic. If you're like, I've always played majority of my games on my opponent's table side, so if. You struggle with that battle tactic. I think you're playing Night Hunt wrong to start with. That's uh, my like opinion on that one. So. Anton um, Sandstrom is asking, are you going to break Feck next? Is, it, is, that, is that your next faction? I'm looking into maybe Feck. And I'm like, since there was the lowest like on the ranking thus far, only like a few events though, uh, Feck might be next. It's also a death army, which is I'm I'm a death or chaos player. Back in fantasy, I was 100% chaos uh, with a little bit death on the side. Now I'm the other way around. Uh, so so I'll see. But the last set of is... rules, effect still on the on the table. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, that's like 12 uh. months away. We, we've Ron just committed to the night haunt, folks. Uh, <laughs> You've got Wave of Terror too. I want to talk. I do yeah. want to get to Wave of Terror because this, to me, is one of the most. I wouldn't say the most important, but it's it's one of the great Night Haunt rules you want to you want to learn and you want to take advantage of. And it's got some really interesting interaction, especially if you roll high. So I want to get to your thoughts there. So um, after a friendly Night Haunt unit has finished a charge move, you can um, you take the unmodified charge roll and you compare it to the uh, Wave of Terror table. And you get to pick one enemy unit within one inch of the Nighthawk unit and then apply the relevant effect. Now, you can, if you if you roll high, just because I roll a, a nine doesn't mean that I need to take stun. So I, if I roll high, I can choose from the table, um, equal or less, I guess. So um, the, the three rules are shriek, so that's subtract one from the hit rolls. Stun is subtract one to save rolls. And then petrify is strike last. So, um, thoughts: which one do you like? How do you like to use it? 
give me your thinking? First off, I love the new wave of terror because the old wave of terror was all or nothing, which is, and like it's one fifth of your charge will be the double, uh, double fighting as it was before. Uh, and then like otherwise you have nothing, which felt always felt kind of, it always felt bad when it happened too, but like it, it was always a bad feeling no matter what the, the charge roll was in the old book. Because either you feel bad for your opponent or you feel disappointed by your army. Uh, nowadays you always get something and it's just so much, so much better and dynamic to play with. Um, my favorite of these three is of course stun because the still the faction still doesn't have like higher end on nearly anything. Uh, so having one or two stun uh, each turn is is really useful and like stacking them with the charging. I essentially only try for stun uh, unless I'm engaging on multiple fronts. Then I try to petrify one unit and run stun as many as I can uh, on the other ones. So, like, so I, just... I use petrify, but but situational use of petrify. So just to just to talk about the stacking for a second. So if I charge in and I roll a 11, I don't get to apply all three of the modifiers. I get to choose one of them. But if I charge two units into the same enemy unit, I could put two effects of the wave of terror. Um, I, I couldn't pick two stuns, but I could do stun and shriek or petrify and shriek or any combination. Yep. As long as I've got two. You can pick charging. two stuns as well. Oh, um, can I? Yeah. The, the the minus armor stacks so you can get minus two armor from two Oof. stuns for example Oof. that's is what makes it so that any unit essentially can be a hammer uh, in the list because if you have base rend of one on your grimgust reapers and you get two stuns you can in, go in with rend three two at two or three attacks each so they will hurt and hurt a lot and obviously sixes will automatically wound as well so you won't need to make the wound roll there with with ren two ren three put them in bounty hunters against a galetian veteran you're now doing lots and lots of damage cool yeah anything else you'd mention with wave of terror and uh, not really it's just all ties together so nicely with the retreating charge uh, the army has also like the way your terror rule makes it so that it doesn't feel as bad bringing a cheap four-man unit because they will still like apply and they terror effect and like help the rest of the army that's why i really really would like to try msu in the in the night hunt book i just yet to get to that there, there's a lot of things i want to try out and in, in the new book but I play very, very few uh, practice games. I, I mainly play at tournaments. Uh, yeah, you're, you're that good, as as Tomas said. You know, with, with your hundred percent win rate, you just now you're at you must be at one hundred and ten percent now that it's a much better book. Yeah, uh, so far at the tournaments at least. <laughs> night on. So we mentioned earlier that there were four sub four I'm, I'm putting three in the camera good go, go me I, um there there's four sub factions um 
the old ones are no longer available. So it means right Norse condemned, you can't use anymore. Um, and that is Grieving Legion, Emerald Host, Scarlet Doom, and Quicksilver Dead. Do you like all four of them? Do you think that certain ones um, benefit certain types of builds, um, particular heroes attached? Like when you look at the sub factions, talk to me about some of your thinking. First off, I think three of them have play. Uh, Emerald Host is just like the script and Mortis, too slow uh, on affecting, on making its effect like show in a in a match. Uh, but the other three uh, are all really good, and it it will like impact how you build your army. Like you won't do Quicksilver Dead without having any Dread Light uh, Dread uh, and you won't do Scarlet Doom without any Blade Guys Revenants. Uh, like the Green Legion is the one that opens up for the widest build since it's not unit dependent; it's just unit size dependent. Um, but the other ones are. And with like things being galavets, if they are, um, if they are battle line nowadays, it's like both positive and negative to bring those sub factions. Uh, and I think like with time, uh, people will move away from the fifty revenants in Scarlet Doom or fifty Haridans in Quicksilver Dead. There will be a more vari variety in the list. Uh, personal favorite, though, Grieving Lydian. Brought that to the World Championship. Rocked the World Championship with my Grieving Lydian. And I really like control and like when I can outplay my opponent. And having like 20 man units that you can't retreat from. They can just tag units when they charge something else. Like it's, it opens up a lot of play there. Yeah, I, I, I dig that. My uh, last game against Nighthaunt was actually against Emerald Host, funnily enough. Um, and I was playing Daughters of Cain, and my opponent had used the Emerald Curse on both Big Marathi and Little Marathi. So even without engaging, and even in turn that. one, Ronya's laughing already. You're just doing those three mortal wounds to, to Big Marathi and Little Marathi. So she was just going down, and I think she dropped by turn three, I think. Uh, mind you, I miscast and did the final wounds. I rolled three mortal wounds right at the end from go to go from nine to twelve. But previously, all of those mortal wounds were and damage was coming from the um, the Emerald Curse. So, I think without Emerald Curse, I would have had Marathi till round five. So that was a great little ability. But um, I am seeing a lot of Scarlet Doom. I am seeing a lot of Quicksilver Dead. I'm I, I'm seeing a bit of Grieving Legion. I think it seems like everyone's kind of trialing it out a little bit. Um, yeah. I, I do like Emerald Host. Maybe it's just my experience that, you know, they were able to, like, just target those key heroes and just whittle them down from the start. Like, it's a good idea, yes. But since it's, like, at the end of the battle round and on that D3 Mortal Wounds, like, it's... Yeah. Uh, it's not that great. Uh, it's too slow. Uh... It just reminds me of, like, Lord Croak doing those little chip mortal wounds in just, you know, bringing down those minor heroes um yeah. you know very early on in the game but still like you have the three plus one units you get to pick three heroes they can do heroic recovery in one a lot of factions have some kind of healing ability so like 
yeah, it, I just feel it isn't as impactful unless you like really build for it. You can bring in like a black coach, descriptor, Olinder, do some ship damage on range, but then like sure you get an additional D3 mortal wounds on those models. I, I don't think it's it's not that great of a build still, even if yes you can build for it. Yeah, no, no. It's, it, it's it, either way. It's good to see all four of them. I don't think any of them are trash. I think that's the key, right? Like even if that you know Emerald Host is is not that good, probably it, compared it, it's to the near, nearly there. At the time, <laughs> it, but it's not bad. It's it's for a D. It's it's not that bad. But like you know, yes, you know, there is the chance of rolling a one, and you know, you you don't get anything for essentially your your, your battle trait. But um, either way, yeah, a grieving legion is great. Um, as long as you know you're building around multiple models, um, you know Dreadside Haridans are, are, are great. Um, Blade Blade Guys Re Revenants are very good. I really like um, the yeah. Blade Guys at the moment. It was the most like straightforward. Like th this has this effect and it applies directly, and there's no real finesse to it other than picking a target. So it's I understand why that Scarlet Doom got so popular at the start. Uh, it's, it's really easy to like make work, but with like Nurgle being top, Deepkin is kind of hot as well, and there's a lot of factions with ward saves. So I like like the potential that Quicksilver Dead has. I think it's it, yeah. when the meta settles. I think it will be be the better one than Scarlet Doom because Scarlet Doom just makes Nighthunt do what Nighthunt does, but better. Uh, Quicksilver Dead adds another layer to it, even if it's also it also increases damage output. But against things like Gotrek, he he will just die. Uh, or and same is true for Grieving Leaden, I guess. It's like adds another layer to the Night Hunt army rather than like improving what they are already good at. Yeah. Look, I think I think I think you've you've made a really good point. Let's see how the meta settles. Um, I don't think there's one that's bad. I don't. I think there are some that are better than others, but that's at the moment while well, we've got this kind of settling meta. And who knows what Zench and um, and Lumineth are going to bring to the table? So they might change things a little bit. But um, either way, yeah, I think Scarlet Doom for me personally, uh, Grieving Legion, I think is the other one. Although probably probably at most tournaments you probably will find a lot of people won't retreat anyway um i i, I just i just find a lot of players don't naturally go towards a retreat as a action they want to fight themselves out of it but when you're fighting at the top tables and you know good players want to be using the retreat they can't yeah especially if you like since you have such a large unit you can just tag a unit like you put one model within three of a 20-man unit Sure, they will fight with two models and the rest will just stand there and they don't have the option to retreat there. It's, I think it can be really brutal if you play Grim and Leading correctly. As as someone who's played against Nurgle, who does that does that a lot, you get your sloppity bar piper, you get pinned, and if you tag, you're right, you you tag one model and you stop the pile in. In this particular situation, you just don't get enough attacks in, and you can't retreat. It's just it's an absolute pain. So, um, absolutely dig that. 
you've got some extra rules when it comes to your match play rules. So you've got your grand strats and your battle tactics. Let's talk grand strategy. You've got four different options. Do you like these or are you finding yourself going to more towards the battle pack grand strategies? I'm more towards the battle pack grand strategies. Uh, we have played, we are talking about and we have played a tournament where we just doesn't allow the book uh book tactics or strategies i kind of like that so i'm i'm more looking in the core book for grand strategies uh, if you, i, I don't if think you... the night haunt ones are that great because uh, in a lot of games i just table my opponent and then there's uh, i either table or there's something left and if there's something left fight or uh, fright or flight doesn't really work because then they have it's pretty easy to contest objectives. Like there's big zones with like six inch radius. So just moving in on an objective is really easy. So that one kind of goes away unless you have like the final turn and you go second in the final turn. If I forced you to take one of the grand strategies, would it be something like feed on terror? Now that one is, a, that one's probably one of the easier ones, but it does force you to keep your, keep your enemy having some units on the table, having them terrified. No, if I had to pick one, it would be Fright or Flight. Sure. So when the battle ends, you complete the grand strategy. If there are no enemy units within six inches of a friendly Night Haunt unit contesting an objective. Yeah. That would be the one. Uh, Assault to Claim is also like possible, I suppose, because every unit is an anvil. So it being a summonable unit that has to destroy the highest wound target isn't that big of a deal. And if the opponent like keeps their highest wound profile out of the game, it's usually quite good for you during the game. So that one is also okay. I just I was just reading the text to dismantle the brave. It's a uh, you've got to pick an enemy unit with the highest bravery characteristic as the target. If one or more of those has a uh, the same bravery, you obviously get to pick. Um, you score it if you slay. Uh, you slay that high bravery target, and your general isn't slain. Yeah. I yeah. Twist. You usually twist. end up using my characters at like in the later stage of the game, like to hold someone up or something like. I, I sacrifice my characters a lot at the end of the game, so it's. It's an okay grand strat, but it's not really for me, at least. Yeah, uh, a Twisted Tree, I agree with you. Uh, Feed on Terror, in theory, is a good one, right? You just got to have someone terrified that is just having um, one of your units within three inches of, of a unit. That's awesome. But yes, then the caveat is that, you know, by the end of the battle, you got to make sure that they've got some units still on the table, we know that if you're terrified, you also can't issue or receive inspiring presence. So to get them terrified, super easy. To keep them at the end of the game and and still Harder. around, that that's where it becomes really hard. So yes, I agree with you. It just I wanted to talk through the process. Easy becomes hard. <laughs> and as Hannah's saying in the chat, uh, as a Skaven player, I I I I don't like the no retreating. So. <laughs> But the Skura Way does override uh, Grieving Legion's uh, no retreat as of the FAQ give, uh, Games Workshop have 
so both of those scurry away and the furious flight instead of fight thingy uh, overrides it. So, so Skaven are not that that like poor. Uh, it's not it, it, oh, Skaven has a horrible matchup in tonight, not just in general. I was going to but... say, I was going to say their brave is pretty bad. So yeah. That's, uh, it was worth with all or all night on book when Olinda just would shriek at every unit within like twelve against their bravery, and then force a battle shock test on the whole Skaven army. That is one of the most silly games I played. It's like Olinda running forwards towards the Skaven army, and they like just just like letting her pass as if they were the Red Sea and she was Moses. They just open up like, oh, it was horrible. Talk to me about the battle tactics. I'm not going to go through every yeah. battle tactic. So you've got what one, two, three, four, five, six. You've got six battle tactics. Are there ones that you use more often than others? Or are there ones that you use in certain situations, whether it's at the top of the game, late game? Is it how do you look at your battle tactics? Uh I think they most of them play into the night or they are really tailored for night haunt list because they are really like the night on play style is we we fight with everything essentially uh and like tides of terror having two friendly units within half an inch of the same unit sure you need to leave something alive uh and preferably have like the last pylon moves so that you make sure that you have two units within half an inch or something mass panic is also really really good uh since like three terrified units like if you engage a lot of the units you have ensured that you have mass panic succeeded uh and also the one stop no return with uh, the new gsp i thought uh black coach would be uh, like in basically every list because this just the old conquer but with the black coach essentially uh but the more I played in UHB, the the easier I think the the battle tactics are for an army like Nighthaunt, because a lot of them revolves around being aggressive and like clashing with your opponent and killing stuff, which is exactly what Nighthaunt wants to do. Uh, so, so it's yeah, I think these are. Yes, they are not needed for the faction. So it's just another layer that's like it makes the faction so so good if you can use this. It's not Daughter of Cain good that you get extra points, but uh, but still having the options are really really nice. Overwhelmed with dread as well is probably one that you've got to set it up properly to, to ensure that the unit receives shriek sh shriek stun and petrify. <sighs> But there's a lot of failure points. There's a easy to failure. Yeah. I like I when I play, I try to like play as if I would roll a one on each die. Like I I want to cut the, the dice game out out as much as possible, uh, and that's I think that's how you consistently like plays well. You you don't rely on the dice. Also, why there's I hate a... to play in the you know the first prince this weekend because they rely on dice. Um, but getting sidetracked. Uh, yeah. No, 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 no. This Relying on rolling nice. a ten, uh, like rolling a ten for the charge. Yes. No, no. I, I would never choose that one unless I was sure I couldn't couldn't succeed anyone else. Yeah. Uh, it's too dicey. 
yeah, it, it seems good in theory, but when you then get into the rolls, you've got to get that, um, you've got to get at least one of those tens on the charge. Uh, and you also want to make sure you don't clog yourself up and, you know, block off one of the charges, right? You need to get three successful charges and you need to roll um, at least one of them. So obviously situational, there are some better than others. You don't run a black coach. Obviously that one disappears. Um, otherwise they're mostly generic enough and um, not, not too hard to, not too hard to score, but some of them, uh, as you've mentioned, like overwhelm the dread does have fun, some, some failure points. Yeah. Sure do. And same with Ceaseless Nightmare. Like, since you, like, out-succeed Battleshock on a 1, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, you Is that a thing? Or, uh... or is, am I making that one up? I think you're making that one up. <laughs> I think you're making that one up. Right. Might, it might it be late for me, me, then. I don't remember. Is that an AOS 1 rule? I don't know. I didn't play AOS one or two. I just <laughs> you, you used to like in a lot of games like sixes out to succeed and ones out yeah, to fail. Is, this would yeah. be the other way around. So I just assume something. <laughs> it's a late night for me. Maybe maybe it's still there. I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I think so. Confusing me. Um, Ronya, there's so much in this book, right? And you know we're not going to get the chance to talk about every single combination. And I'm, you know, I'm very, very yeah. keen to hear your thoughts around, you know, like Alinda, for example. Uh, I know one of the questions from my Discord was, you know, what's the pros and cons on running Alinda? Um, she's obviously a wonderful model. She um, is a lot of points. She's a unique model. Um, we are going to go through two lists. The first one is your grieving legion list, and you've gone with um, take what's theirs. Uh, the 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 list is Alinda, as we've mentioned. You've got Shade Mist as your spell. You've got Kurdos Valentian, um, who's the Craven King. You've also got the Cruel Gas Cruciator, who's the General with Master of Magic, Arcane Tome, and Seal of Shaish. You've got yourself 20 Grimmies, 20 Grimmies. You've got 10 Grimmies. You've got five Hex Raids, 10 Chain Rass, three Spirit Hosts, four Myrmon Banshees, wrapped up in Bounty Hunters and Battle Reg, 2,000 points on the nose, uh, 103 wounds for three drops. Um, so talk me through, like, what's this list? How does it work? What's the combinations here? Um, why, why does it look the way that it looks? Yeah. This is actually the list I brought to the World Championship. Uh, just changed the grand strategy to, to the new book and added Bounty Hunters instead of Hunters of the Heartland. Uh, new JSB, I really like three drops. Because in like 85% to 90%, you do get to choose who goes first uh, playing that. And by the way, Stefan in the chat mentioning uh, demons often have the one uh, auto passes battle shock, so plague bearers. So thank yeah. you, Stefan. Uh, I knew I've seen it, but I'm like, no, it's not a universal rule. Like, where where am I thinking but, about it? Yes, it's okay, demons. So the triumph as well could like auto pass. I think because you don't get inspiring presence from the triumph. It's, it's not like another it's route, not, right? Correct, correct. It's it's a version of inspiring presence, but it's not actually inspiring presence. So you're yeah. not issuing or receiving you a could command. Get by that one as well. Uh, yeah. Back to the list. Um, yeah. In nearly every list I build, I have at least one unit of hex wraith because they're so mobile and so versatile in what they do. Like 
one game, they will move 24 inches and just block your opponent in their zone. Like, they can't really get out of it in a good way. Other games, they'll just hang around and be annoying. Uh, and have that move available. Make sure that your opponent needs to guard their objectives uh, all the time. Uh, and then the other unit I love, Mirmon Banshees. As we touched on earlier, the best unit as, at like denying magic there is. And it's like their aura of like protecting. I mean, in Sweden, we have a lot of Seraphons. So like protecting from the combats, the all, all the like do mortal wounds here and there things has been really, really good with Mirror Machines. But also like at Worlds, I got to play into since it's as soon as a model within 12 is affected or holder within 12, I, I put them like next to Archon and he couldn't like buff Archon up with his spells and stuff. So it was it was so like they are they are so brutal when you, they get to do their thing that I uh, and with all endless spells around, I think they should be in every competitive list. If not one unit, then two. Are they is are the Mimons reinforced? Are they coming units of twos or are they coming units of fours? Uh they're coming units of fours. Yeah, cool. Because you get a bonus to the dispel when there there's are three, three or more models. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you get a plus one to the dispel if the endless spell ends within six inches. So you get a second bite at the apple to to remove endless spells. Great, great counter for say purple sun. You're seeing geminids popping up here and there. You're seeing um, ravenashing jaws. There's a whole bunch of predatory endless spells. Not less, just endless spells. Like regular spells, if they target a unit within twelve, they get another dispel at the. I think it is at the casting value even. So you don't even have to beat the. Like what they rolled. One thing I want to talk about before, just before we move into the hero combinations, I'd love to hear a bit yeah. more about your hero combos. Um, is the hex wraiths are not Galadian veterans, so nope. being being cavalry, um, it's probably one of your your only true. I mean, obviously you want a whole bunch of non-battle line troops, but being on horses, um, great screens. Um, great way to kind of avoid the gvs um especially if your opponent's got bounty hunters and you're trying to protect things yeah i do miss the old hex race though like they had so many fun interactions or wonky interactions as i'd say like you could pass through units to do mortal wounds on them sure they have gone they have gotten like impact is in it's instead now so they, they made up for that but but i since my old army was made up of like 30 hex rates, I do miss them a lot. They are rules. Before we get into those hero combos, Twisted Tree asking, good question, by the way. What's your thoughts on Nagash, uh, given that you've got the new chronomatic cogs, right? You could be re-rolling your casts and, you know, being an absolute machine, that is Nagash, almost half your points, yeah. though. Yes, oh, yeah, it's a little bit on the expensive side, but I think there's room for him. I think he does best in Night Hunt of all the factions he has the option to be in. Uh, because bringing back three models to each unit, or is, is it like four, three, or five units he brings back three models to, is really, really good, especially if you're playing MSU as well. You have many small units, bring back a few models here and there. Yeah, I think Nagash has play. Uh, it's just not my playstyle to have like my whole army in this one model or half my army in that one model. I like many small cogs in my my wheels. 
Uh, and he doesn't so, have so. deathless, right? He doesn't have deathless because he doesn't. No deathless yeah. on him. Yeah. He has like three up armor save. You get something to use all out defense on. You can use Mystic Shield. And he has like uh, what, uh, the ward save against mortal wounds as well. So it's semi durable at least. But... Great. I, I think it's great if you're going to build around, say, spirit hosts because you are bringing back uh, three, pl three, three plus, is it three wounds plus a model or some combination? So it can be good to kind of bring back multiple spirit hosts. But if you're filling the board up with like chain rasps and things like that, maybe not as valuable. But I think you're right. Um, we're kind of not in the meta as well where we're playing these god god heroes. Like, you know, Archeon's kind of been dropped off the table a little bit. You're not seeing Alariel very often. You're not seeing – even Daughters of Cain players are starting to drop Morathi. It's a lot of points um, into these god-tier heroes. So uh, Nagash is probably a little bit expensive for me. But Alinda and Kurdos, I'd love to hear some of how, how, how these two are kind of coming together. Yeah, this was – this was a test actually for Kurdos. I, I hadn't tried him before, but I really liked what he provided here uh, in the list because he's the only model that has run three damage three on his attacks base. So he's like, he brought so much damage. Uh, I did miss, like, I, I miss having the Guardian of Souls for plus one to wound. But still having the once per game, um, what's called finest hour uh, on him for a wound on two plus was still pretty nice. Like it was enough. He usually like charged in, did like at least four attacks. Usually went through by himself, and that's like twelve damage to there. And having run three base on top of like wave of terror and stuff, he usually got up to rent four or five. And there's nobody really having an armor save against him then. So he he was really useful. And then stealing a command point on a four up or five up, depending on how close you are to your opponent, is it's a nice touch. And I, I'm really tempted to do like a command point denial list, uh, including a tomb banshee as well, so that it costs two command points for a unit to issue them. Um probably in Grieving Legion, so I can lock it down a bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, he has play, I think. I like, I, I like him. Even if his War Scroll is so tiny uh, for how much it costs, it's still like an okay model. Bring. Yeah, he's a, he's an interesting model, you know, seven wounds, four up armor save. You know, I, I probably fought, I haven't really fought him in combat very often. He, I, I always find that Kurdos is kind of in the backfields a little bit and stealing the CP can be impactful, but are you getting the most value? I mean, you, you, you know, he's got five attacks on the scepter. Maybe I just kill him too quickly, but you know, the Ren three, especially if you're using the stun, is it stun? Uh, whatever, wherever I get the minus one um, save as well. Going from Ren 3 even to Ren 4, 3 damage um, can be absolutely brutal with that Scepter in the right target. Yeah, I play rather offensively with him. Uh, Spiritos are there to deliver him uh, mainly also. So. I think you, you and Jason are feeling the same way, both thinking about a CP denial because there are so few CPs in the game. Um, obviously, there are some ways. Like, I play Goblins. I've got there CP up on Wazoo. 
I got CPs like I'm at a strip club. Like, yeah, I've got too many CPs, not enough actual command to actually issue. But outside of that, being able to stop someone from issuing some of their good, tasty stuff. Um, by the way, I was going to mention like monstrous rampages. Where are you at with the Mongol? That's a model that is not in the book. It's in Forge World. Yeah. Um, it's your only monster without bringing in, let's say, a Mega Gargant. Do you have any thoughts? Assuming the Mongol doesn't change at all. Do you have any thoughts on the Mongol? I wouldn't bring it. I think it's too expensive for what, what it provides. Uh, I like, nah. Yeah, yeah, yes, nah. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, you've obviously got the Cruciator as well, which is so clutch, right? You know, Master of Magic, um, the Arcane Tome. So you got yourself a little wizard. Um, I'd love to know in a second how you're using the wizard combination, but the Cruciator being able to, what is it, reduce damage by one? within a is it an aura of uh yeah what's the on your units whole within 12 uh you 12. can reduce the damage by one if your opponents are within 12 of them as well yes yeah yeah um how how how, do you, how are you using the cruciator it seems like the cruciator is one of these units that is a staple in most night haunt lists it's just yeah. too good not to, to not to you know leave home without Usually hang, hangs behind the front line uh, with his Spiritos pals that he passes wounds to. Um, since the spell is like within hollow within twelve as well, so like he needs to be in up there, almost in there. But it's nice to have him just behind the front line because then you can get an extra wave of terror if you feel like you need it. And a hero being like six wounds, four up save, five up or minus one to wound. He's kind of durable as well, so I, I'm not afraid to like put them into combat either. Uh, and usually, if people focus down your heroes, uh, then they leave the rest of the army, which is a bit of a trap. Usually, to like in the new book, I think it's a trap in general to attack the heroes. You need to whittle down the night hunt army. The same with Olinda in this list; she is super durable with a four-up, four-up save. And just attacking her, it takes away a lot of the focus for my opponent. Like, she usually dies turn two or three when I play her. But then they left so much of my army alive so that it makes up for it. Because they put so much focus on her instead. Why Why did you go outside of your um, allegiance to for your command trait, right? Because I'm looking at the command traits, you know, Lingering Spirit gives your general a four-up uh, mortal wound save, you know, Ruler of the Spirit Hosts. Um, once per battle at the end of the movement phase, you can do some stuff around summonable units. There's, you know, there's some interesting command traits that you've got access to. Why would you forfeit them to go with a universal master of magic? I don't really think any of the Night Hunt command traits are that strong. I tried the Master of, no, the Ruler of Spiritos, but I never got to use it. And something that you situationally use, for those who don't know, it's like bring back half of a unit, a summonable unit, on a four up. And something that only works half of the time, like you don't get that good mileage out of it. Uh, compared to Master Magic that you can use every turn. Uh, the one I would consider is uh, Cloaked in Shadows or something, I think it's I called. Was, yeah, I was, just, I was just looking at that. The general can't be ticked as, picked as a target for shooting or combat by more than one unit per phase. Yeah. 
And that would make him even better to put into combat. Uh, but, but I like Master Magic more because that gets, you can use it every turn. Uh, it's, I think it's my favorite command trait uh, of all of them because it's, it's always going to be useful, essentially. And this and the seal of Shayush is casting value of five, uh, range of twelve. If successfully cast, pick one night haunt unit within range invisible. It has a five up ward until your next hero phase. So you've got the command ability to give a five up ward, and then you've also um, got the the seal of Shayush to give another five up ward. Yeah. And um, yeah. It just makes the army more durable. And then you can do, like, in the combat phase, you can have Seal of Shayesh on them, and you, instead of the defensive one, you use all-out attack, something like that. And just uh, for clarity, uh, Alinda's spell, Shade Mist, is casting value of 6, range of 12. Uh, if successfully cast, pick a friendly Nighthaunt unit, uh, and they subtract 1, 2 wound rolls for attacks that target the unit. And why, why that one versus, I don't know, Spectral Tether or, you know, Spirit Drain? I think these two spells are the ones that are most universally useful in the Night Hunt lore. Both defense, like, sure, it would be nice to have some damaging spells, but they are not that good uh, in the book. So, so I, th I think these two are the staple spells you will see in a competitive Night Hunt army. Yeah, it's it's pretty um, hard to get a boost to to wound rolls. I think is the key for me. It's it's yeah. you know it's easy to get okay. plus one to hit, but to get plus one to wound is very very That's tough. That's really tricky. Uh, and like in this list, like you have the the idea here is like my two Grim Ghost Reaper twenty man units will here it when I played it it wasn't Bunt Hunter it was Hunters of the Heartland as well, so it was like they will tie up stuff and they will usually have Shade Mist or Seal of Shayish on them to be able to do their job better. So it's like it plays into the list a lot as well to have these two spells. Yeah, I, I think the only other spell, that, I mean, outside of these two particular spells, the other spell that I probably like and is I like Soul Cage, um, being able to apply the strike last effect. So if you need that ability, you don't have to rely on rolling a 10 plus on the charge. But I see why you'd go Seal of Shayish and Shade Mist over Soul Cage. I almost feel like that's maybe my third choice. I used to play with Soul Cage in the old book, uh, but then it was Can't Retreat in addition to Always Strike Lost. It was a, it, it got nerfed in the new book, and I don't like it as much, but I haven't given it a chance either, so I, I won't rule it out completely. The one I would take as a third spell would probably be Spectral Tether, though, just to have yeah. that teleporter ability, essentially. But that yeah. and that is much better now with endless spells. And you can teleport and cast an endless spell if you have two cast. Yeah, if you're if you're not going to take Ulrich the Drowner to do the teleporting, uh, Spectral Tether is a great one, and it's a low casting value on four. If you're taking the Boatman, you probably don't need two teleports. Um, I mean, you could use them, but you probably don't need them. Um, oh, by the way, Anton asking a good question. Why Shade Mist on Alinda and Seal on the Cruciator? Is the Seal more important? Of... Mm, I was thinking more in line with... Alinda has no use for Seal of Shaiish if he, she wouldn't have another target since she has a 4-up save reward base. But she could use Shade Mist on herself if there's nothing within 12. So those, that's why I put 
the spell on the character I put it on. Yeah. Like worst cool. case, they can use them on the spell. No, good call. Good call. Uh, anything you want to mention with the Grimgust Reapers, your Chain Rasps, your Spirit Hosts? I know we talked a little bit about the Mimon Banshees and the Hex Raids. Mm -hmm. um, why why Grimmies over, I don't know, Dreadblade Harrows or uh, more Chain Rasps, for example? Like why, um, why Grimgust? Grimgust, because they're cheaper than the, the, the Revenants. Uh, and I think the Revenants are the other unit that's had base rend one because that was a, a big thing ha having base rend one and four up armor save chain rasp are like they're nice but they are only a five up and uh like that you get so much more use of ethereal if you're at a four up save than a five up save uh, i think it's it's worth the extra points to get the four up and, then, and why, Grimgoth, why not here was because they are more expensive they're like 175 right so 15 more points that would be 15 going or 50 or going five in this list so there's a lot more points to make room for and it being just 2000 uh, then we would to drop the like chain rasp or something and i like having i generally dislike playing 20 man units because uh, i like a lot of pieces to move around uh, and a lot of different units but play uh, getting you mileage out of grieving legion with the 20 man units was also so, so like you need to balance it i think having many wave tarot triggers contra having like the effect of the pro session and I guess probably the other call out, you know, I'm, I'm looking at the differences between the Grimgast Reapers and the Blade Geist Revenants, you know, and, and there's, there's a lot of commonality between the two, obviously points aside, you know, probably the one thing I can, I can imagine you like is the fact that the plus one attack characteristic from the Grimgast come if you're targeting a unit with five or more models, while with the Blade Geist, you get the plus one attack if they've made the charge. So you're relying on always charging to get, to get the, the, the attack boost that and the two inch melee since galatian veteran wasn't a thing at the tournament i the two tournaments i ran this list up uh, i was so i was gonna say two was a lot better when when this when i play this i think it's still like viable to play this list even though the melee range won't be as big of an argument anymore for it i, I was gonna say the proving grounds not the proving grounds uh bonds of battle which allows you to fight in that second rank means that you don't have to worry about the two inches as much um, because a big unit of blade geist, which are only one inch reach would still get that second attack, um, that second base in, but obviously just doing this general's handbook, but uh, it is more, more points. So I guess pros and cons either way. Um, yeah. Hannah asking why not Rev uh, Haridans? Because they lack the rend. They have no rend. That's why I... Also, I didn't own any Herodians. I still don't own any Herodians. So that's why I haven't brought them anywhere. But cool. I do want to play Quicksilver Dead um, with the, the Purple Sun uh, to give them that extra rend. Uh, so I'll, uh, I'll see where I land on that later on. 
how does this list win, Ronya? We'll go to the other list, by the way, folks. There are two lists, uh, a treat for you and the Nighthaunt video. Um, so we'll go to a second version, and it's not even Grieving Legion. We've got a completely different list. Um, how, how does this particular list work, and how does it win, I guess, at a very high level? Uh, usually, ter when, when the lines engage, you'll try to, like, tie something up with your Grimgoss Reapers that won't be able to like strike properly because you'll just edge yourself within one of the models in that unit. Uh, I think it, it it's happy when it plays into big units that it can like use its no retreat on uh, and just tag, but it's if people don't bring that many models like Nighthaunt has such a good matchup into elite armies as is. So I think you don't like suffer too much from not getting the extra attacks on the Grimgoss Reapers or not really getting use of your Grieving Leading ability either. Because like it's just Nighthaunt is so strong into that type of army already. So you won't need those. Uh, so it's more like to cover up what you might be weak against. Which would be like a horde horde army that has a lot of attacks, because I, I think that's what I'm most afraid of: armies with a lot of semi-quality attacks, at least. I, I played. I think the list that I had played um, had a lot of characteristics the same as yours. Uh, I think it was either. I think they had a lot of grim gas reapers, if I remember correctly. Um, and what saved my bacon is I was running Witch Elves and they had double blades. So it was like three attacks, super consistent, like hitting on threes, yeah. wounding on threes, like, or I think it might even have been at twos at some point. Um, and just the, and I could do exploding sixes. And I think it took me like 60 hits um, to pull down a unit of 20 Grim Gas Reapers when you think about the Ward, the Cruciator. Um, I'm doing one one damage attacks, but a lot of people cannot throw that amount of damage onto um, uh, onto you. So you with a five up ward, reduce the damage by one with the cruciator, um, the four up base armor save. Um, that twenty those twenty wounds are not twenty wounds. It's more like yeah. what fifties fifty or something statistically closer to fifty ridiculous. wounds probably to take one of the units down. Yeah, are your spirit host protecting? Alinda, the Cruciator, who, who uh, were they bodyguarding Kurdos for? or Cruciator would be the protected targets. Alinda does fine with her four-up board save, please. Okay. Uh, any reason why you've gone bounty uh, battle regiment instead of, say, like, I don't know, Warlord? I mean, obviously, you've got two named characters, so you don't need the extra artifact, but yeah. is it, why, do you need the low drops? Do you need the three? I like low drops. Like I, I played a lot of like 10, 11 drop lists and it was always such a hassle uh, to be able, like always opponent to get to choose if I go second or first. And like, yeah, it's just easier to play the game if you have that decision, I think. A lot of the time I won't even like go second with it because I like to like get ahead on scenario too like so but having the option of having like a looming possible double turn or getting to like clash first is also so nice so you just i i like options when i play and that gives me another option 
yeah you like options and you like guarantees the the, the yep. less randomness you know you're not playing like gargans like me like that's like hitting the the jackpot uh, you're gonna like... be okay because like i think there are very tactical elements to playing gargans as well uh but say something like old skaven where it was a lot of rng uh nah i love me some ratmans but not i then i'd rather play them in blood bowl where i have my trusty gutter runners to bamboozle my opponent with oh i love it now you bamboozle them by, by lifting the veil the other list you've got for me is the quicksilver dead so uh you've got take what is theirs as the grand strat and your triumph is bloodthirsty uh still have a linda still have the cruciator though cruciator oh no you, you got two cruciators i was i was literally yep. about to say the cruciator is not the general but then i'd quickly contradict myself by saying the cruciator is a general you so you got two cruciators yep yeah <laughs> You've got Reichnor, you got Reichnor, you got a Linda, you got two Cruciators. One has the uh the light shard of the harvest moon, the other is the general with the cloak in shadows. Um, you've got yourself 20 dreadside harridans, 10 dreadside harridans, 10 dreadside harridans, 10 dreadside harridans. So you've got three four units of harridans, one's being reinforced, five hex raids, four mewbond banshees, you've got purple sun, can't leave home without the sun. Um, still using Battle Regiment and Bounty Hunter, so we've still got that same combination. It is a little bit cheaper, though, at 1965, so there's a good chance you get the Triumph. Um, it is four drops, though, so you're a little bit higher on you than what you'd normally like at three, um, but you're at 90, uh, 90 wounds, so less less wounds than the last um, list. But uh, I'm sure with the Double Cruciator, you're reducing the damage uh, across the board a bit better. So... What's this list all about, and how is it different to the last one? Obviously, you know, we've gone... bit of a work in progress. Uh, I've ran through a couple of Quicksilver Deads. I, before this edition, I had a Black Coach in it, because I wasn't sure about the new scenarios, but I found like it, was, it wasn't troublesome for Nighthaunt to deal with the new battle tactics. Uh, it plays into their playstyle as is. Uh, I, I probably like have a new idea on this one, and that is another like the the command trait would be Master Magic, and I would have an Arcan Tome in this too, because having reroll on the Purple Sun is really handy, even if Greknor is there to like cast it. So mm, it's uh, I, I, I'm not super fond of Greknor, uh, essentially. Here. So the I was just looking at the light shard of the Harvest Moon is yes. a once per battle at the start of the combat phase. You can say the bearer uses the baleful gloom of the light shard. If you do so, add one to the attack characteristic of melee for with friendly night horn wholly within twelve inches of the bearer. So, so it's like more more attacks. Essentially, what night hunt already does, but but you do more of it. You need to kill something. Uh, but yeah, and the list is like, since I have Dreadset Heridians, who needs like, something need to have taken damage earlier in the turn for them to get plus one to it, plus one to wound. So there's like, I haven't sure that, but ha by having like four characters who deal damage in earlier phases, on top of having hex rate that could, if I haven't managed that, do it with impact hits to ensure like this, Three up, three up instead of four up, four up with all my heridians. 
couple of questions from the chat. Um, a yep. couple of good ones, actually. Jason asking the first one, I notice you don't use Spirit of Torment. Um, do you think they're not worth taking? No, I really like Spirit Torments. Uh, the earlier edition of this just had the Spirit the Torment in it, but I find it hard to fit all the pieces I want in a list. Uh, this one could... You could probably move things around to fit the Spirit Torment here. Um, it's like the, the two pieces I really want to fit in most lists, but seem to never be able to, is Tomb Banshee and Spirit Torment. Those two I really, really like, but rarely have the room for. Even if he, if he is like one of the cheaper characters at 115 points, uh, there's always seemed to be not room for it. I'm also like, yeah. Having a character or having a full unit now, when the character aren't as like vital for the Night Hunt army, it always like you trade so much damage output for having this utility ability. It's it's, it's a feel bad a lot of the time. Yeah, you're, you're definitely less reliant. Like in the older book, you'd take things like Tomb Banshees and Canwraiths just to get the ward bubbles and some of the the the, the model regeneration, just because you were so reliant on taking heroes, but that reliance has definitely dropped off in this book. Um, the other question that Jason asked, which is a good one, was why not the Midnight Tome um, for the autocast? Yeah. Like, you could bring that, absolutely. There's, it worked just as well as, like, night, like, the Harvest Moon thing I got. I just feel like I do have Reikner who can have plus three to cast the sun, would probably get it off in the majority of rounds I need it anyways. So like, uh, yeah, it, it's not a bad option, but it's not the one I'd go with either. It's fine. I mean, like, it's not a bad option, like the Midnight Tome, and I guess there's pros and cons, right? You know, the last one we had Master of Magic along with the Arcane Tome. This one's obviously a, a one-trick pony. It's a once-per-battle, and then if it's unbound, it's unbound. If you're using Purple Suns, a cousining value of eight, so to unbind it, it can be quite difficult. But uh, um, you, With the item, you can't unbound the Purple Sun. You cast an R12, and it can't be unbound. No, it could be dispelled. It could be dispelled later. Oh, yeah, in the opponent's are, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. Like, once it's once you've got it on the table, yeah, you get one round of it, but there's a chance that you lose it, and then there's no benefit from the artifact. So you've got to you've got to make the most of that one purple sun on the table. Same is true for the Harvest Moon. Like, it's a one turn ability, so then it's done. So uh, yeah. jo there, there's no Josh, Josh saying uh, congratulations on the success that you're having uh, with the general's handbook uh, settling a little bit. Do you rate Quicksilver dead in the current season? So uh, I think speaking on behalf of Ronya and I'll get you to continue it. Yes. I think we talked a little bit at the top of the show. Um, you're a big fan of, of the Quicksilver dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's one, one of the two uh, sub factions I'm, I'm fond of. That's... Ryan asked, sorry, go on. Yeah, it's like, I don't like the Doom, Red Doom, or what, what the Scarlet Doom, because uh, it's too simple. Otherwise, I would be all, all for Scarlet Doom as well. But it's, it make, yeah, it's, it's too simple of a sub faction. I, I want tricks and stuff. 
it's a good one to start with. And then like, once you get your confidence, you're like, yeah. I want to get something and then, else. Then and you I can move over to other. Yeah, for sure. Quicksilver Dead or Grieving Legion are probably the two. Um, Ryan asking, by the way, uh, and I noticed this as well, you know, you, both lists had five hex raids in them. Um, are you using them as alpha speed bumps? Um, Ryan asks, moving them up 24 inches uh, in the enemy army's turn one. Um, what's what and how are you using the hex raids? Usually, no, they are usually on a flank by themselves, uh, and I have the rest of army like on the other flank, uh, because they're so fast. Like, they are when I face uh, iron yaws, yes, then they will move 24, be like at 11.7 inches in front of the whole iron yaws army just to keep it. Uh, keep it in the deployment and not use the uh, the mighty destroyers turn one uh, but other, against other armies generally no I won't use them that way they are in general a screen though <laughs> yeah and especially again with the with the GVs and running around the current book you're not giving them away so they're they're a great um, screen that you're not giving away extra damage to a bounty hunter um, Thomas asking um, what would be the best unit to ally um, into into Nighthaunt from other death armies? Mm. Who are your allies? I actually completely forgot. Who are your allies? You can ally Souls in... Souls like Gravelords are the allies. Oh, and I'd say it. like a Big unit selection. of skeletons or something because they are the cheapest battle line unit. Uh, you have no real... I, I was looking at Lokawai or... The other like non-character monster there just to have a monster in the list but decided that they are a little bit too expensive for what they provide and alling from night haunt i don't think there's any real like night haunt is really a legion's ability bound so i don't think they make good allies for other death i i know i'm cheating here a little bit would you bring in a cron spine or a mega gargant not Mega Gargant anymore. I, I saw an argument for him in the old book where there were no real hammer. Uh, now that issue is solved, so I wouldn't bring in the Mega Gargant. Cronspine, I do like no retreating and the like extra layer he brings. So yeah, th there could be room for a Cronspine in, in Night of the Army, especially if you like don't feel like bringing 50 Bladeglass Revenants. So you bring like 20 or 30 and then you bring a cron spine uh, i think it could be yeah there's place for him yeah you just got to watch out with the command ability because if you issue all out attack and it'll give a a bubble of all out attack that'll obviously deny you from your ward command ability ward from thing, the faction yeah. so you just you just got to watch out for that one but um yeah i mean plus one to hit bubble is nice no retreat plus one to casting for the for the wizard if it's within 18 so um and if then, you don't take master of magic that could be nice another thing to watch out for is locking yourself into combat because you need to be aware of how you pile and how you pull like your casualties so that your units are not whole within the domination aura of the yes spine. and you did talk early earlier at the in the video how you really enjoyed the retreat and charge so that would just straight out lock you out of doing that so yeah be mindful yeah, and I don't, I don't think it does that well in uh, Quicksilver Dead, since all the quick 
or the Haridans should have plus one to hit and wound either already. Uh, so I think the subfaction he belongs in is either Grim and Legion or the, the Scarlet Doom one. Mainly Scarlet Doom. Because Grim and Legion already has that no no retreat thing if you have built it that way. Do you, do you like any of the endless spells? I mean the the term in excess used to be really popular in the second in the first book. I don't know if it's changed between books, but I know that it was a popular endless spell. Do you have any favorites? Uh, do you like it? Do you like spirit them? vault thingy, like the box of spirits or whatever uh, it is? The vault of souls. Yeah, uh, I think that one is looks interesting, uh, but struggle to find the point for like uh, everything I want. So fitting an endless spell is kind of hard, and I don't think Knight Hunt really. They don't really need endless spells either. It's like a strong enough army that doesn't suffer from other endless spells that much already. So yeah. there, there's not a need for any of the endless spells. But if I were to bring one, it would be the Vault of Souls. Or... So I was just reading the term in Exus and just like you can, yeah. you can basically do damage or you can do healing within six inches of a little, a little. Aura, and that's the hourglass is... thing, right? Yeah, term yeah, that's the hourglass. Yeah. Uh, Jason saying that that's why he likes the boatman um, with Crom's spine. So uh, Lolchen, the Soul Seeker, so you can always like teleport away from Crom. But then like you're putting so many points you're... together. It's yeah, a lot of and points. you're nine away from your opponent then, at least. Uh, so there's like. They can't be that relied on to engage again uh, if you do that. So, but yeah, that's a way to like if you have messed up uh, and pull them away for sure. Talk to me about the black coach because I, when the book came out, um, I saw a lot of players take the the black coach. It seemed to be quite a popular addition, and I think people were excited. But I'm noticing as lists kind of progress, it is dropping off. Um, and I don't know why it's dropping off. Is it just that there are better choices in the book and those points can be allocated elsewhere? The Because the, it, it did have some small changes. What have you kind it of picked up and what do you think? Changes. Yeah, I'll... It had <laughs> huge changes. Like I, the old book, I played with two of them nearly every game because uh, I had the recursion list, which main function in the old book. Uh, nowadays, it's it's a really durable piece, but it's a bit too expensive, in my opinion. Like it has doesn't have that great damage output, but it's tanky. Uh, also, like a con with it, it's only two models on an objective, uh, and you're investing like three hundred and thirty-five ish points into it. Which could be like two ten man units instead. Yeah, because it lost up like its power. The, you you give up a lot by by taking the black coach, and if like if I the battle tactics would have been as troublesome as I thought they were at the start, I would for sure have bring brought a black coach just to have the extra battle tactic available. But uh, time has shown that it's it's easier than I thought to complete the battle stat tactics without it and like it it doesn't generate the power as quickly as i would like it to 
Uh, and no, you, you... the extra feels bad is like when you unleash that power on a two up or on, on a one, nothing happens because you need to roll a two up still for it, like to do the shooting damage it has the potential to do. 3D Tremolter wounds, if I recall correctly. That as well. Yeah, it's got some good rules. Like it's definitely lost the power up ability and why people would take it. Um, obviously, if you powered up really quickly, it could do some really good stuff. You're probably getting more consistency from it, um, but the role has probably fundamentally changed as well. I mean, the five up ward's nice. Um, you, know, you can do some of the the move and retreat stuff um, through the underworld. So it's got like it's got like its own little teleport built into it. So there's a lot of good things into it, but. Um, yeah. 330 points it's, it's a lot lot to pay out for that one in an army that is already like tight on points i feel i think we could i think we could talk about this book forever and i i'm kind of getting into the weeds right you know we haven't talked about lord executioner we haven't talked about the guardian of souls the 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 knight of shrouds poor old horse and on foot knight of shrouds there's just so many choices here um and I've got another video coming up as well in the near future. So I'll get Nate's, um, Trent and Ellie's opinion as well. But what, what I'd love to hear from you as we kind of like bring this home is how does this army work? What's the keys to success? And I guess what have you kind of learnt um, as a Nighthawk player? If I was someone that maybe is going maybe two wins at a tournament or maybe three wins at a tournament and I want to get better, you know, how – what have you kind of learned that you can kind of teach me uh, when it comes to the faction? I think the faction is, for, first of not for everybody. Like, But if you like mobility and have an aggressive playstyle, then I think Night Haunt is an army for you. Because uh, like, the more aggressive you are, the more it will reward you, essentially. But you still need to control that aggression and not like overextend. That was the main thing, especially about the old book. When you overextend, you generally lose uh, in this in the book because it is fragile. If you leave an arm or a unit on its own, it it will probably die. Uh, more so in the old book, but still in the new, it needs it like you need to play a ball of death essentially and have your army, like, the units support each other so well through Wave of Terror. You have the Guardian of Souls who has the aura, the, uh, the Kruger's Crusader has his aura, Olinder has her aura. Uh, we didn't talk about that, but on a five up, she denies uh, the command point, if it's, if, or the command ability, if it's issue within 12 of her. So that one is really, really useful as well. So there's a lot of, still a lot of buffs in the army. Uh, so, so and learning to manage those, but all at the same time pushing the limit of what the army can do. Uh, it's probably how you get the most value out of a night hunt list. Do you think Alinda, with her returning D6 uh, slain models, um, was it once per battle? That's like, more why? of a bonus, I think. Like. It yeah, I was just going to say, like, do you think a lot of lists have to run uh, a Linda, or do you think... No, 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 absolutely not. I, I think you could run, like, two other characters or a character and a unit instead of a Linda uh, and still do just as well. I just, like, I tried a Linda at the start, 
was like unsure if she was worth it because I mainly because I played her wrong. Uh, I played her too aggressive. Uh, I at the first tournament I attended, I lost her first turn one, then turn two, turn three, and then turn two again. But she's still like when I thought back to the tournament, I realized like she absorbed so so much damage. Like one one of these times she died, like it was a four-man unit fulminators that charged her. And like if that would have gone into my army, then all that damage would have like killed one or two units instead. So like I yeah, the more I thought back with it, the more like, yeah, it was fine sacrificing her here because she still filled like a role. Like she she took care of that damage so that my army could just take care of his army then. I say I, so I I think she's good. Uh, so, how, so, so how do you not lose it early? So you, you, you mentioned at the tournament, you lost it quickly early, and then you kind of learned to kind of keep her on the table yeah. longer. What, what did you Don't learn? How did you protect her? her? Don't frontline with her into like mega gargons and stuff, because that's how she dies. She's like, yeah, yeah play her correctly. She, she will be fantastic. But she's not a must in an army either, so like it's just a preference for me. I, I have her in nearly every list I built. Tried some some games without her, and I felt like I was missing her, so put her back in. When you lift the veil, do you target like one wound models um, in order to do a mortal wound and then heal the D3? If I need the healing, yes. Uh, I tend to try to execute something with her. Uh, otherwise, like putting in D6 damage into like a great and clean one or a mega gargant or so like it, it makes just it's a very flexible ability on how I use it yeah yeah I mean like just being able to like take some damage obviously the four up ward you know having the ability to heal as a heroic action and then if she's still kind of got wounds on her profile with a shooting attack getting a heal as well um can keep her around for a long period of time which again for 300 odd points as you said she can soak up a lot of damage and then the fact of the five up um deny the command um you can bring back models once per game you've got uh, a good little spell through grief stricken just an overall great utility a, piece like two cast and two the spell it's quite nice to have as well and she's not even a she's not even a commander. She's a sub commander with seven wounds. So yeah. um, you're absolutely laughing. And can use like command abilities within eighteen since she now is generally in addition. Yeah, because she's a war master. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, she's she's great. She's great, but she is a grieving legion though. So anything keyword dependent, obviously. Um, none none of the sub factions will it, it won't matter like in none of the oh. sub factions so that she is screaming legion. That's good. That's good. I was just I noticed that she's got grieving legion. I'm like, oh, how's that impacted with like cause like emerald host and things? But I guess it, it doesn't really. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't affect it. Like the only thing that's affected by that is like the unit. I think nah, not even that. No, there's like a few characters that is sub faction specific, but it doesn't impact it at all. No, actually, I was just looking at the sub factions, and I'm like, oh wait, no, that doesn't actually really do doesn't anything. Like, I'm like, yeah. like, oh yeah, no, it doesn't actually because she's not a Dreadblade Harridan, she's not a, a Blade Geist Revenant, Emerald Curse has nothing to do with and it. So I'm like, doesn't matter. Yeah. No, no, so we're sweet. Um, how do I deploy? 
as a as a Nighthawk player, like how do I deploy like any any tips you'd give me to 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 not deploy badly? Um, I'd say like it's it's uh, scenario dependent. Uh, like you want to be able to threaten at least half of the scenario like elements uh, in general. Also, like that's where the like picking up three units and deploy like having them reserve comes in. If you can't like threaten it from your deployment zone, pick up some units, then you will threaten it. If not, like at least force your opponent to move on to that objective so that you can teleport or show up on it. Uh, I'm like have a bit of OCD, so I usually deploy like in some. I want my symmetry in my deployment. Uh, <laughs> rather than like I try to be as effective as possible, but still rem keeping the symmetry. Uh, so I'm probably not the best deployment person ever, uh, since it would bug me too much if it was completely off. Um, but in general, like keep a screen of unit a unit in front of a character, deploy your the one, the thing you need to think about is like the auras from Mirmon Banshees from your characters, uh, the buffs and stuff. And like, make sure your spirit hosts are able to like take damage from your characters. Uh, so it's not like the army is quick enough that it it won't punish you too much if you fuck up. And everything is flying, so you won't block yourself either. So that like, it's a forgiving army to like deploy like a madman. Yeah, you can deploy in the line, and you know, having a lot of base movement eights means you can get onto objectives pretty e easily. And yeah. you know, you might want to use a, a forward to victory and basically just absolutely just drop onto uh, an objective and like stop people from even getting on. Um, there's just so much good stuff in here, but you're right, you know, being able to retreat and charge. So even if like Iron Jaws came into you turn one and pinned you into your object, uh, into your deployment zone. You've got the retreat and charge abilities. So you can get yourself out pretty quickly and get into some juicier targets. And there's a lot of movement flexibility that you've got access to. And as you mentioned, the flying and you know some of the teleport builds and 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 all of that as well. So um, I think the key there is like think about movement as your win strategy, as opposed to just looking at the fact that you know you've got abilities like sixes to hit equal damage, and you've got some access to additional rends and and things like. Don't don't just look at the combat profiles look at how you can win. And I think that's kind of how when Nighthawk players fight against me, the way that they they beat me or what the way that they try to beat me is use movement to your advantage. I just can't, most of my armies that I run just can't beat you in the movement game and you start pulling me apart. You, you start taking objectives that uh, I can't defend or you pull me one way and then you kind of jump into another. So you win in a movement game. I think that has been like... The key to success in Age of Sigmar uh, for most armies, uh, like if you can, can at least like have something to say about about the movement phase, especially early. So like pre pre move pre game moves are also like big. For like we have seen the big Stabas, the Nurgle army like do well since they move far on the first turn, and I think that's key in a lot of a lot of cases. That you you win win the game in the moment phase in general yeah and, and what's great as well probably probably better for you versus the last edition 
is that there are more battle plans with have more objectives. So some armies can really struggle to try to retain and claim up to eight, you know, or there are some like Realmstone, Realmstone, Realmstone Cache, or there's a few of them where, um, I can't think of the other one at the moment, that, 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 that requires a high degree of um, activation or the proving ground means you've got to go to a certain area. And if I'm on one side of the board and my only Gladian veterans can be near impossible to get the objective you've got the teleports you've got the moves to better claim those objectives so again you're in a really good spot i think a lot of the uh, battle uh, like the missions they promote combat now they promote combat a lot uh, more than the last battle type did uh, and the battle tactics as well like a lot of them revolves around killing a unit or something like that you need to like be up close and engage. So an army like Nighthaunt will thrive in that kind of environment uh, compared to a castle army, uh, like the leading of the first prince or a Seraphon army. I think Seraphon players need to rethink how they play as well uh, and not do the castle thing as much as they did in AOS 2. Uh, so it, it will be exciting to see how it impacts uh, the meta. Yeah, you're definitely leading the meta. And I think if you're, and this is probably going to lead me to my last question before we kind of bring this home, is how do I beat you? And I'm asking this both as a player against Nighthaunt, but also as a Nighthaunt player who might need to think about how do I, how do I not give my opponent the victory? You know, are there particular models or units that my linchpins? And if I lose them, the game is over. Is there mistakes that I, I need to kind of avoid in order to not give away the game? Anything you tell me about either beating you on the table or not you personally, but Nighthaunt um, or or uh, maybe some things that I need to really look out for as a Nighthaunt player in order to to protect the win. I think the Nighthaunt army book, like, it's really strong. Like there's no like good, how do I beat this? Because uh, the army is like it's super strong like it's you need volume of attacks uh and semi quality on them so three up three up is a good way to go in the door of kane especially good at this one and like having damage two is kind of pointless since there will be a crusader most of the time uh if the knight on player positions correctly uh so so like a lot of damage one attacks or damage three i think would be suffice now like the piggies in uh, Iron Yos is a good example. Uh, they will be damage three with the War Shanter and the Battle, uh, the Bounty Hunter. So yeah, they will be useful against Night Hunt, I think. I, and I know, I know, my Stormcast, think... for example, I brought Judicators with crossbows, so they have a lot of attacks, exploding okay. sixes. Yeah, so so I'm playing the you know Free Guild uh, Crossbowmen, for example. Anything that I can get a good attack on, damage one, but I'm getting a high volume because I think for me, one of the ways that, um, and you learn this when you play against death, but probably more so against Nighthaunt, is not to split your attacks. You know, you could look at a unit of 20 or even 10, like 20, 10 chain gas and go, yeah, one unit can handle this. Probably not. With the no. Cruciator, the Ward, uh, the unrendable armor save, you need a lot more damage than you think to to pull down a unit. That's yeah. my lesson. Absolutely. 
And even if you just leave two models from a unit now, they will still provide like the wave of terror buff. So they, they will do a lot for just being two models. In the all night hunt book, they had a lot of recursion. Uh, so you couldn't leave models there, but for other reasons. Uh, nowadays, it's just that they will buff the rest of the army so much that you can't really leave anything from a unit possible. Uh, then how to like lose with Night Haunt would probably be the most common would be overextending and not like keeping your auras, keeping within your auras. I think it's the mo would be most common way to lose with Night Haunt because the book is, as I said, really strong uh, baseline. Yeah, it's a good book. Um, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think there's definitely some stronger builds at the moment with the Gladian. Are you worried about Gladian veterans at all? Like, obviously, the plus one damage with bounty hunters. You get access to more ba battle tactics. Some of the proving ground comes into play. What's your What's your general thought with that with Nighthawk? I think it's hard to play Nighthawk without having Galatian veterans. Uh, so you just need to adapt and play the. That's why I have two cruciators in one list as well, like to ignore that extra bounty hunter damage. Uh, sure, it would be nice to like have not not the extra bounty hunter damage and ignore a regular damage, but uh, I don't think there's a good way around playing without Galatian veterans either. Because uh, like you wouldn't, like, nah, like you wouldn't build like a strong, whole. Not Galatian veterans per se is too strong, but the models in the night army that escalation veterans are too strong to not bring to a list so you wouldn't like build a whole hex wraith army for example to avoid no gvs no. nah absolutely not i i love hex rates but they're not that competitive that i would bring a whole army of them anymore would you i got one more burning question i i, I yeah, lied to you I, said, I thought i was going to wrap it up i just had i just had this idea while we talk about galatian veterans i was thinking at spirit host and i was quickly having a look to see if spirit host were battle line and yes they are i was just thinking right you know you you didn't often see reinforced or double reinforced spirit host because they've only got a range one attack but now that you've got the uh bonds of battle so his spirit hosts are under four wounds and less they are battle line so it means they can fight in essentially two ranks. Do you do you think maybe Spirit Host could be a like an offensive tool, um, double reinforced or single reinforced? Um, would that be something you'd consider? Not really, no. Uh, nah, not really. I used to run a, a reinforced unit, uh, but that was when they had mortal wounds and success to it. Nowadays, they're sure they got plus one to hit and it's at four to hit now, but they don't need the mortal wound anymore. So, not really a combat unit, even if they can provide like a bit of assistance. Yeah. Don't do enough. Oh. I was literally going to say the change to Frightful Touch would stop me from running Reinforced Spirit Host because, yeah, they get six attacks, but they're hitting on fours, wounding on fours, no rend for one. Yeah. Um, even if you have like, like, the damage isn't that great. Yeah, you can roll a couple of sixes, but you you used to fish for the mortals. Now yeah. you don't have access to that. Like so most other units, like for the same point, they will have higher damage output than the spirit host has as well. So I think it's better to like look at some of the other units to do the same. Cool. 
Anything else you'd add to this conversation? I mean, we've almost been two hours, Ronya, so you've been an absolute legend. Again, I, I, I probably could ask you a million yeah. questions, but I'm going to yeah, respect probably, your time. I could probably talk about this for ages. Like, I love talking miniature games and all things nerdy. Like, it's what I do most of the days, even if I should be working. Uh, so, yeah. That's right. Jesus, shh, don't tell anyone. Uh, no. I love hanging on like Discord or Messenger group chats and just talk talking about the game or any other miniature game or thing I'm interested in. So I'm gonna finish with one interesting final question. Oh, yeah? If you if you could add one unit to Night Haunt, if you could make That's... up a, a unit, what would it look like or what would you want? I'd want a monster that is worth bringing uh that's probably what i have been missing the most uh, when i build a night on list or just a sheep 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 unit like we're talking probably global deer sheep like you have 45 or 65 points for a five man unit that could just be there or be on an objective but doesn't need to provide much just just bodies what's the monster what's the monster what what type of spirit are we talking like spirit uh star I've drake are we talking been, no no i've always been a fan of dragon ogres so it would probably be the spirit of cool or something cool like that i was thinking that, a that spirit the monster i thought spirit nah. more crusher like imagine that big like, ball yeah, of spirit just coming at like, you rule for a more crusher and be a big cabbage or something but but Dragons are cooler, or dragon ogres are even cooler. So that's more in line with what I'd want. I'm right. in the process of building a dragon ogre army. So, but but a bird dragon ogre army, beast of sense. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. Ronya, this has been an awesome conversation, and I know we could keep talking. Um, if people want to chat to you, um, I've got your Twitter handle below in the in the episode description. Go follow Ronya. Um, again, great player. You are very, very good in the competitive scene, uh, both at like a master's level, representing your, your country in the AOS worlds for Sweden. Um, and I'm sure you'll cap the crown probably this year. Konstantinos, you're unnoticed, my Hopefully. friend. Yeah, you're on notice, Ronnie. Ronnie's going to take the crown. But um, anywhere else, people can find you if they want to chat to you or get some like list advice or you know just share maybe some of their experience or thoughts. Where, where, where can we find you? Uh, yeah, Twitter's probably the easiest ones because Discord is a bit wonky with the servers. Like you need to be on say server and stuff, and I don't hang around that many miniature game servers on Discord. So pr probably Twitter or like Facebook or something like that is where I, I hang a lot of time. Cool. Well, go follow you. Hopefully you get a whole bunch of uh, extra followers in the episode description. Um, uh, if, not, if it's not in there, I'll put it in automatically. Uh, any shout outs, anyone you want to kind of give love and representation representation to? Mm, no, no, I don't know. Uh Put me on the spot like this. Shout yeah. out to Sweden. Just the, like, Just the whole the, country. Nah, the, the tournament scene, actually. Like, I love challenging games and the tournament scene. And that's what it provides most of the time, uh, or some of the time at least. Uh, but, like, the uh, people in the, like, high, uh, like, n no, like, throwing trash shots, like, 
other players, but like in the highly competitive they've seen, people are always so fucking nice. And it's like I'm so happy to have like gotten into this community. Cause it was it was the same in the war machine community. Everybody like was so so just so great. And I feel the same here. Like I'm not run into a single person I dislike, essentially. Yeah. We we have we haven't met yet. I'm sure I'll be number one on that list when we do meet. Uh, Somebody but... needs to be so. <laughs> no, you're right. Look, I, I I say this to everyone who who's never been to a tournament and they want to go to a tournament. End of the day, it's just a bunch of nerds who want to play with their war dollies, and you have you have that in common. Um, you, you can't go pro. You can't go out and win a million dollars. It's not Magic the Gathering. For most people, they just yeah. want to have fun. They want to hopefully win more than they lose. And they're they're not going to stomp you in the ground and win at all costs. So um, that's no. true probably across the across the world. Yeah, and it sounds like you are there for the same reason. There's always a com conversation starter just in front of you there, and it usually leads to like a beer or something and more talk. And like it's it's so easy to just talk to people at events. I feel like yeah. even if I like I suffer from pretty bad social anxiety. But when I'm around my miniatures and like I'm comfortable with them, I like I just forget about it and talk to people because we have this thing in common and it's so great, so fucking great. Well, I think with that you you've ended it really nicely, Ronya. Thank you so much for this. Go follow her. Um, absolutely fantastic player. Very insightful for the two hours you've shared with us. Um, if you have listened to it this long, I'd love to hear from you in the comment section what your thoughts are. What's your what's your model that you want to add to the to the the faction if you had a chance, right? What's what's the monster that you want to add? Uh, or is there anything that kind of we haven't kind of talked about, or maybe some combinations? Let us know. Again, it's a new book, right? So we're all kind of learning together the combinations and what works well and the synergies. And you know, I've tried this and this works really well. And you know, with Lumineth and Zinch coming down the line lists are going to have to adapt and change right so um absolute legend and uh thank you for everyone who listened to this thank you for my patrons my youtube members um thank you for everyone who who joined the live stream or for the people who just watched us on replay uh i appreciate you all and uh ron young you go back today and hopefully work doesn't notice that you've disappeared for like two odd hours nah, probably not i think they're fine without me it's you're not too burning, good you're all right, let's go. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ronya. Thanks, everyone who listened. Uh, peace Thank out. You. Thanks for hanging around until the end. I hope you enjoyed that video and you walked away with a few new ideas. If you did, I would love it if you pressed like on the video as well as left me a comment to let me know what your thoughts are. The conversation will continue over on Discord and the link is down below in the video description. I want to give a massive shout out as well to the AOS Coach Patreons and YouTube members who are going in and the funds are supporting the channel and the growth that you're seeing here. So cheers, you're all bloody legends. And until next time, don't roll a one on a redeploy.